Welcome to the SCORE Music and Sports Podcast, where we talk with some of the greatest names from the stadium and stage about the music and sports that shaped their lives. I'm John Adams. In my years of working in the music and sports arenas, I've experienced firsthand the surprising connections between these two industries. Together, through this podcast, we will explore this crossover relationship. All of our podcasts have an accompanying Spotify playlist that showcases the music we discuss with each of our guests. Search for The Score on Spotify. Today's guest isn't just an athlete. He is an icon that transcends his sport. He's considered by many to be the greatest race car driver ever. His achievements are legendary. The world watched as he won the Daytona 500, the Indianapolis 500, and ultimately the Formula One World Championship, an unprecedented trifecta. No other race car driver has ever won all three titles. He took the checkered flag 111 times during his career, a career that stretched five decades and across six continents. Today, he is a successful businessman off the track, serving as spokesman, associate, and friend to top executives all across the world. He has received hundreds of awards and recognitions. Among the most prestigious, he was named Driver of the Century, he was knighted by his native Italy, and the Library of Congress in Washington, D.C. added him to its Living Legends list. And GQ Magazine named him one of the 25 coolest athletes of all time. We will speak with racing legend Mario Andretti right after this. When we move, we're better. It's when we stand still that we're in trouble. We believe that having equal opportunity to be active and to play is the way we achieve our full potential. You deserve the chance to use sport to unlock everything you want to be and all you want to do. We start today to change tomorrow so that every girl and woman can realize her power. It's her time, it's our time. All girls, all women, all sports. Visit womensportsfoundation.org to learn more, donate, or shop for a good cause. And welcome back to the SCORE Music and Sports Podcast. I'm very happy to welcome to the show racing icon Mario Andretti. Welcome to the show, Mario. It's an honor to have you with us. Thank you, John. My pleasure. There are so many things to discuss with you. I want to start in a bit of an unlikely place, and that's with the opera. Um, I hear that you were introduced <laughs> from the opera from your father, who on occasion worked at the opera house. Can you tell me a little bit about that opera house and how your family became associated with it? Well, this goes way back when uh, we I was still in Italy. Uh, and uh, I was about age maybe 14, 13, 14. And, uh, but we were in a refugee camp. It's a long story, you mm -hmm. know, after the war. And uh, so my dad uh, occasionally, uh, when the, uh, during the opera season, I uh, would apply, he would get some jobs uh, as an extra. You know, you always need extras for operas. And, uh, sure. and because of that, he would get some tickets for uh, the peanut gallery. And, uh, <laughs> and, and uh, we would obviously go to the opera just to, uh, to watch him perform. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, anyway, uh, that's how I basically was introduced to operas and, uh, and got the opportunity to see uh, many of the majors, and, uh, and then of course I pursued that. Uh, you know, once I uh, I grew, I, I suppose, and I 
uh, back in the States, I've, you know, I've, I've been to several operas. Not that I do that all the time, but it's just something that uh, uh, it uh, melts my butter quite a bit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's that uh, there's something about uh, and certain arias, you know, they just really, really get the delivery that uh, that you get from, uh, you know, some of the uh, the Pavarotti's and so on and so forth. It's just uh, Bocelli and Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the other tenors, of course, uh, you know, it's just amazing. You know, it, it seemed like uh, it almost makes the back of your hair stand up. And you know what I do sometimes? I get some friends up here, and I I start my Lamborghini, and it makes you know quite a bit of noise with big rumble, <laughs> and I turn opera on, blasting. I mean, uh, it's got a great sound system, and it seems to really, really go with it. You know, it sure. Seems like the- it seems like to fit the bill. Do you have a favorite opera singer? Well, how in the world can you have anyone ex- other than, uh, you know, Luciano Pavarotti? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, there's something about his delivery. Uh, I mean, there are many others, obviously. Uh, I mean, you got the Caruso's. Uh, you got the Gigli. Uh, you know, Placido Domingo? Time. Yeah, Placido. I met Placido actually the first time that he uh, he was coming to the States. You know, I was uh, on on my way back from, uh, I think actually he was in Brazil, and I was back from Brazil, and uh, we sat together. And it was the first time that he uh, he came to New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, But, you know, going back to your question, uh, you know, my absolute favorite uh, is Pavarotti. And I tell you why I like Puccelli because he's both. You know, he mm. can uh, he, he's so versatile, and uh, and and uh, you know, so his delivery, you know, is is, is very interesting. And uh, you know, he can do, you know, is very famous for you know for pop music and so on and so forth. And uh, um, and I I got to know him a little bit as well. And. Uh, you know what we're talking about this, as far as um, the, the you know the, the divas, it's Maria Callas, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I used to, yes. uh, I I love some of the early films with Mario Lanza as well. You know, he seemed to uh, oh yeah, be quite a jovial guy. You know, just uh, I, I love this delivery as well. You know, but, uh, it, it's, it's something as classical music goes. I mean, it's uh, it's got its uh, this place certainly for me. I mean, uh, I think uh, great entertainment for sure. And not only just entertainment, but it seems elevated. Those that enjoy opera are enjoying the finer things in life, and I've noticed that that is the same with with you. That you enjoy the finer things. That you don't you don't waste your time on frivolous things. You know, to some degree, I think uh, you're right. Uh, obviously, I think uh, I found that, uh, you know, many interesting people uh, have uh, the dimension, you know, that uh, they like popular music, but also, mm-hmm. you know, they know something about opera, classical music and all of that. I think, uh, to me, uh, it gives an individual uh, a very special dimension, you know, that's not very uh, popular or, mm-hmm. or, or usual. If you will, yeah. um, but uh, really, that that's the way that's the way it is. I mean, I, I'm 
I'm just uh, grateful that I had the opportunity to be exposed to that at uh, mm. you know a relatively young age, and it sort of stuck with me because uh, I cannot see once uh, you're exposed, you see that that you cannot, that you're not going to enjoy it, if you will. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, at first you might need a libretto. It helps if you know the language, especially you know the Italian operas. Sure. Uh, but um, but other than that, you know, you could just uh, listen to the delivery. I mean, it's just phenomenal. Uh, you could still detect the emotion and the story through th- through there's, language barriers. There's so much emotion going to that. I mean, all the, the most beautiful songs have a lot of emotion, anyway. So yes, that's part. Of, that's part of it. And when you came to America from Italy when you were 15, at that time, rock and roll was really becoming part of the culture with artists like Little Richard and Buddy Holly, Elvis Presley. What are your thoughts of the rock and roll culture of that era? Oh, I love that because, you know, that's when we used to go to the high school dances and all that, and that's (laughs) what it was. You know, that's where the first time that... uh, I, uh, you know, I didn't meet him. He was there, but I went to Fabian was, uh, you know, was invited to, uh, to play one of, our, uh, to sing in one of the high school dances and so forth. And, uh, and that's, uh, you, you met all the cool chicks. That's when I met my <laughs> wife, but honestly, you know, so <laughs> that's great. Uh, yeah. You know, there were, uh, several of these, uh, some of the local artists, you know, from, uh, around Philadelphia area and so forth, mm-hmm. uh, they, they would uh, be guests at the, some of these dances, which was, uh, was amazing, actually. Uh, they were very popular, as you can imagine. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was the culture of the time. In 1967, you won the Daytona 500, and in 69, you won the Indianapolis 500. And you were racing at a time of great cultural and social changes. How did that changing social climate in America affect you at that time? Well, I don't know if I can say that it affected me in any special way. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you you just part of it, you roll with it. I mean, it's, uh, uh, as you mentioned, uh, uh, you know, for me, it was a great milestone, you know, to, to win some of these classics. And then, uh, like in 69, uh, uh, you just parallel it with the, uh, uh, with the journey to the moon. And then uh, mm-hmm. got to the, get to know the astronauts and, uh, you know, uh, the events that are forever uh, uh, into the history. Um, and uh, it just happened to be at the time where, you know, I had my own history, if you will. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, uh, again, you know, you cannot design that, but it's uh, it's uh, some of the beautiful parts of life, you know, that, that you cherish forever. Um, and it just happened. Um but again, you know, just uh, that's why I've been blessed, quite honestly. You talk about that era and the, the, the changes and the, and the monumental moments that happened then. And that's when you really became part of Americana, part of pop culture. And it seems like you and pop culture have been uh, phenomenally intertwined through your career. Like the first time that you heard about the Indianapolis 500 was in a movie, correct? Yeah, it's in a movie actually. In 1951, in in Italy, was uh, the movie that was playing there <clears throat> was uh, to please a lady, uh, Clark Gable, Barbara Stanwyck, <laughs> and uh, and and they. Uh, but of course, it was uh, the translation was in Italian, 
Mm-hmm. And the, the title in Italian was Indianapolis, which uh, uh, just, I didn't know what Indianapolis really was. And that's the first time that I actually learned and saw what, you know, what, what they were trying to, to depict. You know, they, they, that's what, that was the story. And uh, that's when I realized uh, the type of racing that was going on here in America, primarily, you know, oval racing, which was unheard of there, you know. Mm-hmm. But it was also the uh, early part of, uh, of the world championships, you know, in, in Formula One all road racing, uh, and the reason it was popular because, you know, Italy was very much part of it with Ferrari, Maserati, you know, Alfa Romeo being uh, very much, uh, you know, the protagonist in that, in that era, mm-hmm. that era, mm-hmm. Formula One. So, and, but that's, and that's when I, obviously, uh, my brother, twin brother Aldo just became enamored with the sport, mm-hmm. just totally captured our imagination and, uh, and our dream began right there. It seems that your your name and your brand go far beyond the world of racing on a global scale. You've had video games that are bearing your name. You're mentioned in quite a few popular songs that uh, in in reference to racing or to to you. And I was amazed at Ice T because he said that in hip hop, when someone mentions Andretti. It means the best. And that must be an, an incredible feeling, knowing that your name is synonymous with quality. Well, he was very kind, of course. <laughs> Extremely kind <laughs> to, 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 with that statement. Uh, but, uh, you know, here again, uh, to be mentioned in, in music by, you know, popular sing and writers, uh, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, it's the ultimate compliment. Let's face it. Uh, I remember the first the first one was Uneasy Rider by Charlie Daniels, and uh, and I was uh, I had just landed in L.A. and uh, I was uh, doing a, a test, you know, uh, with for one of my races in Riverside. It was uh, fairly late at night. Uh, I'm in my rental car on the way to Riverside, and uh, and I hear, oh, you know, my name mentioned, you know. <laughs> Harry and Reddy, would they have been proud? You know, and I said, what in the world? I almost, you know, just ran off the road. And I said, <laughs> and, uh, you know, then, then, you know, then another, another, I mean, uh, you know, Gwen Stefani, and then, uh, you know, it was, it was, uh, and I just, that was unbelievable, you know, that uh, Amy Grant. Uh, That's right. The Beastie Boys. Uh, you know, good for me, good for me. And, yeah. And Alan Jackson, like I said, Gwen Stefani. Yeah. Her song is Crash. (laughs) (laughs) Well, again, today I'm speaking with racing legend Mario Andretti. And to uh, switch gears, uh, pardon the pun, um, the Andretti Winery is an award-winning winery in Napa, California. And I know you've had that winery for for about 25 years or so now. and. What has had the greater influence on your love of wine? Growing up in Italy and having wine on the table often, or your racing career? Oh, I think uh, the my background, you know, having grown in, you know, born and raised in Italy, mm-hmm. even at the early age. Uh, I mean, my dad obviously uh, 
uh, he used to, uh, uh, he, he was, uh, had like, uh, family holdings was uh, uh, almost around 2,000 acres. He had seven tenants. Mm. And, uh, you know, they used to raise, you know, a, a lot of grapes and so forth. So bottom line is, uh, you know, wine was, uh, you know, obviously uh, at every uh, at every meal. Sure. Uh, as, as a kid, uh, I would have preferred a soda pop, quite honestly. <laughs> Not that I developed any taste for wine then. But uh, I, I, that's, I connect wine with the beautiful things in life, as you said earlier, you know, the things that uh, – we all can enjoy, you know, mm -hmm. the, the, the one of the, the best meals, uh, uh, celebrations, and uh, and all the all the things that uh, I think make life beautiful. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, I, you know, I was introduced uh, to Napa Valley back in, in 1976, and um, got to know a lot of the movers and shakers there, the Mondavis, cake mm -hmm. bread, and so forth, and and. Um, and uh, after I came out of the cockpit, the opportunity came up, and you know, we just purchased land and uh, and we started our winery. Um, it's the toughest business in the world as a business, but uh, but it's just gorgeous, it's beautiful. When I'm there, just uh, my I replenish my soul, my hmm. soul when I'm there. Uh, it's something so uh, so I don't know, fulfilling, if you will. Mm -hmm. But anyway, uh, yeah, uh, that goes back uh, to, uh, to, to my upbringing, quite honestly. Mm -hmm. And in your opinion, tell me the difference between a good wine and an awful wine. Oh, my goodness. I mean, <laughs> a good wine, I mean, it's just uh, uh, it's something that soothes you right from the, from the first taste, you know, uh, that, that you get it, you know, and your tongue, and you just... Uh, and it's something that you relish right through, you know, the experience. And then all you're looking for is the next seat, next sip and so forth. And um, uh, bad wine, as soon as it touches your tongue, you want to spit it out. <laughs> <laughs> and today you drive a very unique race car out on the track. And can you tell me a little bit about that two-seater race car? Yes, I think uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful vehicle uh i think to expose our sport in the best possible way mm -hmm. uh mainly because uh you know i think uh the ride that we give the it's a, it's a great piece of equipment uh, uh it's basically like uh, the regular race car only stretched <laughs> and uh, and i give a pretty good ride whether it's uh, on an oval or a road course uh I, uh, Indianapolis, uh, get up to speeds up to 200 miles an hour with a passenger, you know? So, uh, and, and a lot of people just come away and they, and they, uh, with the feeling, oh my goodness, they, people that have no idea what, uh, drivers go through, they come away with a whole new appreciation, I mm -hmm. think, for a sport. So it's a wonderful way to showcase our sport be honest with you sure uh you can go to driving schools or whatever but uh you know i don't think you'll ever experience uh, uh as a non-driver a professional uh the speeds that we're able to uh to, to provide and and, and and give you to take give you a taste of mm -hmm. so uh, it's a wonderful program actually i'm uh, and it, it's something i enjoy myself actually you know, at my age, I think it um, it's really puts me in my element, and so it's even good for me physically. Sure, and I know mentally. You, 
And I know you've had MC Hammer, Lady Gaga, Matt Damon, Ali Raisman, Steph Curry. The list goes on and on with the folks that you've had in, in that car with you. But Jay Leno said that you intentionally try to scare the crap out of everyone that gets in there with you. So do you try to do it? Do you try to take them close to the wall and zip them around as fast well, as possible? I, I, I don't do anything special, but honestly, John, I mean, I just go out there and I leave nothing on the table. I mean, I, I you know, I, I'm safe. You know, I, I want to make sure that I'm sure. inside the envelope. But quite honestly, um, you know, I have the car set up quite well. And uh, I take a normal line and normal line is very close to the wall everywhere. You don't, uh, you know, you don't, uh, uh, you use every bit of the track that you need to use. And sure. that's what it is. So, um, yeah, I, uh, some people actually, you know, come away and they're a little bit, little bit dizzy, which is fine. I actually <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, so. It's the same as playing one-on-one with Michael Jordan or going out and shooting golf with Tiger Woods. If you have the opportunity but, to sit in the race car with you, you take it. Yeah, there you go. I mean, uh, here's the thing. And I think it's a different appreciation. Like, uh, you know, we all, you know, figure, okay, we could play golf. We can play tennis. You know, okay, put yourself alongside a pro. Oh, my goodness. You know what I mean? So it's the same thing. Every sport has that. Yeah. But unfortunately, uh, you know, motor racing, because of the fact that, you know, you got to have a car, you have all that, uh, it's uh, very much of a non-participant sport, if you will. Yeah, they do have sure. some good. Uh, I even have uh, a, uh, a racing, you know, uh, experience like that where you can go out and drive. and But, uh, you know, they but they keep you in check and all that. You don't, you know, you don't reach a speed that, that we uh, will take you for a ride when, whenever we do. So, again, uh, it's a different experience. And I think it makes you uh, all, you know, most people, you know, when I, that I talked to, they said, oh, my goodness, we only did two laps, and now the race is 200 laps, and you got another <laughs> 20 cars, 30 cars around you. You know what I mean? They come away with a whole new appreciation, which I think, uh, uh, that, that like, again, that's a, that's a great thing, and I, I just love to do that. I love the sport so much, and sure. I like to, you know, to see, uh, get people to appreciate, you know, what, what we're doing. Yeah, you're, you're a great ambassador for the sport. And I know that you're still involved with racing and you, that you remain on the forefront of the sport and still explore all the new technology that the sport has to offer, including iRacing. What were your thoughts on uh, iRacing? Oh, that's, uh, uh, that's a category in itself. I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> there's uh, really uh, great challenges there too, you know, because uh, you have to learn, uh, you know, different driving uh, because of uh, you have to just learn the... Uh, the characteristic of the, uh, the you know, your, your computer and everything else, the simulator that you're working with. And uh, and so it, it's a, another learning experience, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. And uh, and actually, the more that uh, racing that you've done for real, uh, the tougher it is to be able to adapt to what iRacing is. Mm-hmm. But again, you know, uh, always up for a challenge. And... Uh, <laughs> Um, have a simulator, play with it, and, you know, you like to, to see what's going on in the world today, and I think it's becoming more and more popular. Mm-hmm. I think you're probably going to see a lot of that activity during the off-season of our sport, which is great. Uh, and actually on TV, some of those races, you know, that uh, 
if you don't look too close, it looks real, <laughs> absolutely real, except when you see cars, you know, just uh, flying 30 feet up in the air, then they get back on the track and the guy's still racing. So <laughs> <laughs> It's a little bit of a difference between the real thing. Right, right. I've been up there. I was, I've been upside down, like, you know, it seemed like, oh, my God, gyrating. And uh, as soon as I land, I just pick up the gears and I keep going. <laughs> I said it didn't hurt a bit. <laughs> yeah, it, well, at least it saves your back a little bit of pain. There you go. Well, as the technology of the sport has evolved, I, there have been improvements in aerodynamics, tires, data, design, all that stuff. And some have said that today's drivers are better athletes, but not necessarily better drivers. Do you agree with that? I really don't, quite honestly, because, mm -hmm. I mean, uh, uh, the sport, you could have this, you know, with the knowledge, the technology, technological knowledge that is available, you can make the cars almost drive by themselves, but the regulations still put everything, the onus back on the, to the driver. So, mm -hmm. um, again, uh, yes, uh, you have more uh, tools to work with today as a driver. That's, uh, shifting and everything is uh, much easier. But then you're, you know, you're, you're expected to go faster because of that. Um, and um, so, again, all I can say is this, John, that uh, I feel that today's champions would have been champion in the yesteryear, you know, mm -hmm. 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, 60 years ago, and vice versa. That's mm -hmm. the way I look at it. Well, well in, in the recent movie Ford versus Ferrari, uh, that introduced many people to Carroll Shelby, Enzo Ferrari, and Ken Miles. Do you have any personal experiences with these men that you're willing to share with us? Oh, yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. I uh, actually, in that movie... Uh, the, the 1966 um, Le Mans, 24 Hours of Le Mans. I was that was the first race after coming to the United States at 15 years of age that I competed abroad, hmm. and I was uh, part of that team. And then uh, you know, the following year I won my first race for Ford uh, with one of you know the the, the upgraded. Uh, a model of that car, the, the 66 and hmm. the GT40 Mark II and in 67 was with the Mark IV, and I, and I helped develop that as well. So the point is, uh, yes, I was I was part of those programs, and, and the individuals involved, yeah, I knew Carol Shelby very, very well, and of course, uh, um, all the individual, Henry Ford, Second, the uh, uh, Mr. Ferrari. I drove Ferraris and I won with Ferraris, Formula mm -hmm. One, and uh, sports cars. I dealt directly with uh, Mr. Ferrari for many years. Uh, yeah, these are all people. This is all part of the family. I mean, uh, it was, um, you know, the time that I was, uh, you know, very much involved myself. So, um, yes, uh, these, uh, no question, mm -hmm. every individual that you saw there um, i mean uh, ken miles i knew that i was there when he was killed during a test at riverside and mm -hmm. uh and so you mentioned anyone that uh, was the protagonist there i mean <laughs> i worked with them and i knew them for sure yeah how, how close was uh, uh matt damon to carol shelby i think uh you know uh, they kept matt you know a little bit subdued a little more i think uh Carol was a little flasher than that, you know. <laughs> um, uh, 
but um, uh, but again, uh, I think the casting was good, um, and and again, uh, I think uh, also Ken Miles didn't seem to be as spirited as he, as he was shown, mm-hmm. but nevertheless, uh, I think it was a very entertaining uh, film. Yes, for certain. There's no autobiography yet for uh, for you. Are you are you writing that, or are you planning to do so anytime soon? Well, actually, uh, because of this pandemic, um, I started uh, the memoirs. Oh, great! And uh, you know, we have we have several books already. You know, pretty much. Uh, you know, illustrating the career, but uh, mm-hmm. um, but uh, uh, I don't know. I was talked into doing it. I'm glad that I'm doing it mainly because uh, I don't think I would have uh, spent as much time as uh, I have given so far. And it's going to be a while, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, until we put it all together. But uh, for sure, yeah, I'm, um, I'm taking advantage of uh, this lockdown that we had uh, uh, so far and then uh, and continue on. Probably be another couple of years before it gets all done. Sure. Well, you have an amazing story and you're an inspiration to so many people. I really appreciate your time and sitting with us and being able to talk and uh, share some uh, some stories. John, thank you for having me. Absolutely. I appreciate that. Thanks for listening to the Score Music and Sports Podcast. You can listen to the music mentioned in this podcast by clicking the Spotify link in the description or by searching The Score on Spotify. Please take a moment to leave a review and share the podcast with your friends and family. For more exclusive interviews and playlists, subscribe to the SCORE Music and Sports Podcast now.